Hey y'all, we've added a listener support button. It's available on the Anchor app. So if you listen to Apple or Google Podcasts, uh, go ahead and uh, see if you can get into the Anchor app and uh, donate a little money to keep the show going. Uh, it is a monthly donation. I believe you can do as little as a buck or as much as 20 a month. So uh, help support the Garland Pepper Presents podcast and uh, throw a little money this way. Keep it going. Hey, y'all, welcome to the Garden Pepper Presents podcast and continuation of the Women in Business Week. Today, my guest is Treva Gams. She actually has a business called Gambaretti's, and, and there are two of them, one in Salem and one in Albany, and it is delicious food. I looked up on all the Yelps and such, and she's 4.5 to 5 all the way through. People love her food, and there's a reason for it. She does a good job. She knows how to run business. She's been into it all of her life, and she is awesome, so listen up. Computer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Garland Pepper Presents podcast. Today, my guest is Treva Gams. She is the proprietor um, at Gambaretti's. Gambaretti's has two lovely locations, one in Salem, Oregon, by the Parkade, the Chemeketa on Chemeketa, uh, where the old uh, fish place used to be, I believe. And also uh, down by the water, down by the river uh, in Albany. Uh, Treva has been in restaurant for her whole life, and but I'd like to know a little bit more about how she got into the business and, and how she became Treva, really. I like that part of everybody's story. So Treva, how did you become Treva? Wow, that's a big one. But first, let me tell you that our location now, it was on fairgrounds. The one in Salem is downtown um, on High and Trade. High and um, Trade. High and Trade. So that's where the first one. And how Treva, boy, that was a big uh, um, evolve um, because who I was younger did not really care about food to the person today that is, you know, there's nothing I don't like. I, right. I live for food, travel for food and uh, break bread and enjoy. So that's kind of, but uh, I started in Yarrington, Nevada is where I was born. What's the population there? Oh, you know, I'm going to say something similar to, to state and maybe 5,000, pretty small. Uh huh. And then we, my dad moved back and forth between California and Nevada, depending on what company he was working for. So I had either the Nevada side or the California. So a little bit of nurturing, small town, homegrown to big city. Um, California, big schools, uh, surfing, lots of fun. So yeah, there was, that was Irvine. A where was that? Where, where in California? I was in um, San Dimas and La Brea. Okay, so, so yeah, basically LA for the most part, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of so you get a little bit of uh, that whole double culture. So it, it's it, a real it, cultural it, shift. Yes. You really don't realize that you can move just from Salem to, you know, sublimity and it's a different culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're finding it with your customers, probably in in two cities that are what, 20, 24 miles apart? Yes. And very different. Two different cultures, um, two different busy times, 
Albany is a very much a farm community. So the summer they're out on their farms. So, um, and we're not real touristy. So it gets slower there and busier through the winter where Salem can be busy through the summer and the patio and everything going on. Um, so yeah, very two, two cultures. So if I were to work um, culture into a business model and have like a, two restaurants, one that I knew would hold me through the summer at the beach and one that would hold me through the winter, I would go to Albany. Right. Yeah. I remember stopping into the Shed Cafe years and years ago and it was a rainy day, but it was in the middle of summer and it was just packed like elbow to elbow old farmers just lined up just talking their stories oh it was it was so amazing yeah it's a, a great community and they really do a lot for the downtown association um they're i i'm really love being part of that community even though it's only been a little over a year i i'm impressed on how they do it and and just keeping those little down values but wanting to grow and nurture and, and develop. So it, it really adds some nice uh, layers to it. Is this the first time you've had two going at the same time? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like having two puppies, isn't it? It is. Yeah. yeah. And when one's going in one direction and the other's going in the other, and it's like, oh crap, what do I do? <laughs> right, right. So do you have good yeah. people to lean on? I do. I have incredible staff. Yeah, I, I, you know, when I when I trained for the lottery, I would tell people the number one thing is to find that person that gives you back to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they understand my values, what I'm wanting, um, and they they illuminate and take care of that for me. Yeah, they see the processes and they're on them before you are. Yeah. Uh, it's such a relief because then you can go and do bigger things. Absolutely. That's mm -hmm. that's where I need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, when, I, when I went through the management courses for Harmon Corporation, which is, they were the largest KFC franchise right. in America until Pepsi consolidated. So then they were two. Um, but when I went through there, our manager would say, you need to take a Jolly Green Giant view of the business. And you cannot do that if you're on the floor and in it all the time you do need to be in it because labor you are labor and that's the easiest way to cut costs especially if you're trying to build your profits up so you can do better things but he said do not fall victim to becoming your own employee in that sense you have to be the boss you have to step up and step out of it Take the roof off the building. Look at all of your systems. Look at everything that's happening. And look at your numbers, every number, and see if where you're dripping, where you got the leaks. Yep. And those those are phenomenally good things to know. Absolutely. I love corporate training, anybody that's had any, because they've spent a lot of money to develop and find out how to do it. I love being a small town and living, you know, a small entrepreneur, but anybody with any of the training, it, it's amazing. And it, it, it's something you use daily. I, yes, I have to look up and, and come down with my managers, but uh, if I'm not there and present, they don't know who they're working for. Mm -hmm. So then you get that, oh, it's a big company and they, 
they, you know, they play, but if I'm in and visible there, that's her. We're working for her. She's taking right. care of us. Right. Yeah. It's, it's important to be there and to be visible. Um, so how do you do that in a day? Do you, do you have, you can't have certain days that you walk in. No, I, I'm, I have my home office that I'm here in today, but I, and, and they don't know when I'm going to come in and I come and go um, and I'll hit both of them sometimes in one day. And yeah. sometimes I'll just spend a day at one. So it kind of varies on which day they know when I'm going to be coming in close. Cause if it's close to payroll or, you know, different uh, inventory month end, they know that they're going to see me, but uh, otherwise the rest of the month, it can be just whenever I'm there. Or they need me. They'll, they'll text and say, hey, we've got this coming up. Or uh, can you join me for this meeting? I think it would be something really good for us. So it's like, yeah, absolutely. I'll be there. Yeah. So you started out in the business. Uh, did you start like most of us uh, in the restaurant business in high school doing some busing and, you know. I did. I started at the movie theater and working the concession stands. So the old, you know, the popcorn and the uh, hot dog rollers and, yeah, and yeah. Then having to clean all that stuff at the end of the night. It was like, oh, this really sucks. <laughs> Gross. You know, that first inclination to yep. and then, then, you know, three years later, your elbows deep into a grease, you know, in your drain, a, a grease a clog. Uh, yeah, and your, yeah. your elbows are literally full of grease all the way down to your hands and it's full of tomato sauce and goop and you're just like it's got to be done you get to learn yeah you, you get over it and it's like okay that's part of this industry but it's also the industry that you want to keep clean so you right. learn all their processes and it's like okay right. I'm, I'm getting this and, and yeah. when you take a few moments with that kid you, you uh, are thinking about firing and saying you know you need to scrape before you rinse. Yeah. I'm oh, the dishwasher, it. most important job there. And and one of the toughest jobs. That's, it is the toughest job. Yeah, it's, but I'll go do dishes and then just everything goes away. It's like, okay, all I'm doing is dishes. I'm okay. here. I'm good. <laughs> right. And thank God for uh, headphones. And yeah. Kids could just plug in and just be there, do work not even think yeah. about it. They're rocking to their favorite band and slamming dishes. Slam you and know. Dishes. Back when I came up, we had a, they would rock out in, in the dishwasher room. It was yeah. deliberately way in the back and they put the music on and those kids would rock out, you know, <laughs> just loud. That yeah. hasn't changed. That's still the same. It's right. just the music. <laughs> right, they get to put it in their ears now. But then you got to keep it like, so you can still talk to them, but you know, dishwashers is the one job where there's not a whole lot of delegation going on. No. And, and again, it's a respectful one. It's like, oh my gosh, that's a hard job. Well, everybody should do it. I mean, I don't think you should ever own a restaurant if you've never done, done dishes. dishes for yeah. you know a couple months, at least that's about somebody, average, isn't it? How long have you kept a dishwasher? On that job, everybody's got to do it. It's like, it's not one that you can just, you're doing small kids. Do it tomorrow. Do you don't hire a dishwasher? We do. Oh, you do. Okay. We do. Yeah. So, I worked a kitchen where it was everybody washed their dishes, right? Dishes yeah. would come in, and I would wash them. Uh, the the whoever was on the grill wouldn't, but like if if one of the weight people would come through, 
they yeah. would rinse, they would scrape, rinse and load their dish into the tray. It was just protocol and it yeah. really made things really smooth. Yeah. You know, uh, sous chef, me, I was primary, but everybody, it was just the way that they ran things at this place. They were like, no, everybody scrapes their dish and puts it away so that we can keep this person available for this. Just That's pretty awesome. Around. Yeah. Yeah. It was a small kitchen with a, a couple turns in a night, typically. Yeah. And it was pretty nice. That is, yeah. Well, and then it, it creates that team and that respect. Mm -hmm. So you built yourself up through popcorn and then you kind of moved on to restaurants. Um, yeah, so going through college, I worked at El Torito down in um, San Dimas on um, Restaurant Row. And uh, from there, they had me starting to open new stores for them because I was loving my job and what I was doing. That's and, a large uh, Mexican restaurant? Yes. Oh, those are like factories. <laughs> it was amazing. And, and these guys were, yeah, they dialed in everything done, but the training and, and the development was amazing. The people I worked with were just tons of fun. And it's like, I like this. This is, this is a fast pace. This is always doing something. So yeah, I caught on real fast and then started to, uh, opening new stores with them and training new hosts and uh, new uh, cocktail waitresses and, and working that part. So that was always fun. So How old were you? Got me hooked. How there. old were you? Um, let's see, El Torito, I still had to be 17, 18. Okay. So you're doing, you're opening up a restaurant and at 17, 18 for this company. Yes. I'm, I'm training new employees and, and yeah, enjoying that because you, you're, you're there great. when they're building and you're cleaning. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, with big corporations that, that honeymoon where, yeah, you're doing nights, you know, $10,000 nights every night and, and just pumping people through and, and training all their new staff. And, and then I'd go back to my store when, we had got it all open. And then when they'd open another one, I'd go and train and develop there. So yeah, I started very young doing that. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of responsibility. My wife is very similar. She, she took over her first KFC store. At, I think she was 19. Yeah. Maybe 20. Yeah. So, fun developments. And then we have, uh, then from there, I moved to Idaho lived in Boise. Boise, and, Idaho. Yeah, Boise, Idaho. Beautiful place, four seasons, really enjoyed it. Um, worked for uh, a steakhouse there. So that was kind of, you know, from Mexican to steakhouse. Mm -hmm. So learning different things there and, and just waited tables there for the beginning. And that was, but it was all male. So it was one of the first females to wait tables back, I think. It, oh, really? Know, so was this like the old school paneled wall type of steakhouse where you had a right. you had a waiter? Yeah. It's part of yeah. our design. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so we did that. So now I was nineteen, and then, gosh, I'm forgetting how many years. But between twenty and twenty three, I met my ex husband. We moved to uh, British Columbia, BC, because we had the opportunity to open 
a resort on Salt Spring Island oh. and be a part of that. So we did that and got married. And uh, yeah, so that was um, So how beautiful. long did you live on Salt Spring? Salt Spring was gorgeous. I loved it. The only thing, I only lasted about two years because I was 23. The winters pretty much roll up. Summers, you're busy and there's so much going on. Um, but the ferries quit at nine o'clock. And in the winter, everything rolls up. So there's nothing past nine o'clock at 23. I was pretty bored. That so, sounds pretty boring. Yeah. yeah. So again, you know, I look back now and it's like, I can do it now. But yeah. Right. Um, at that time, I, I, I didn't. So I ended up uh, moving. We moved over to Victoria. Um, so I was in Victoria, BC for over 17 years. And that's where I had the first two restaurants that I owned. So you watched Victoria, BC when Hong Kong opened up. Yeah. Wow. That had to be amazing. And it was amazing. I was there when we had two. We had the... Uh, um, what is it? The, the games, um, the, the winter, what are the winter games, winter Olympics? It wasn't the winter Olympics. We had, um, because we had runners because the house that I had was right on the ocean and they had all the marathons running right past us. So we'd get our chairs out and we had the fireworks every night. I think it was, might've been the Commonwealth games, but pretty, um, spectacular when you've got it right there in your community and and victoria is just beautiful it is a gorgeous city it was very hard to leave um but i really loved living there and it definitely was a culture of restaurants um so i learned a lot there so it was pretty um yeah it was a great growing well, with all that money coming in the scene must have been hopping the scene was hopping, um, but Victoria kind of reminds me a lot of um, probably San Francisco. There's old money and new money. Uh -huh. um, so the housing market was yeah. pretty much, you couldn't afford it unless you were way up here and, and or had the old money and the, the, the old properties and the homes where that right. was kind of worked that, that kind of era. But living there and renting, was just yeah i was in my 20s and 30s it was just never getting anywhere yeah, it, yeah. i i love it and I, it, when i still go back it, it, it's amazing and yeah. then um i had my son there which gave him dual citizenship nice so he's been he's back up in vancouver um so that's been kind oh, of like, oh, mommy did something right <laughs> so did you did you can you apply for dual citizenship um been there for a long time I was a landed immigrant and yes, I could have had I stayed, but when I was going through my divorce, I came back to the States to be close to mom and, and family so that I could have some help because mm -hmm. I was then a single mom with a five-year-old and it's like, ah, working as a restaurant tour and managing places for other people is kind of a full-time job. So I need some help. You said kind of. <laughs> 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 that's funny you know well, i'm used to it it's like yeah. yeah so people get real romantic about restaurants and it's probably the number one failing business model out there absolutely um if 
if you could give a young woman advice now you went into a all-male situation at the steak bar and you were bucking the traditions you were scraping the wood paneling if you will and so you and you came up during the 70s and 80s 80s um 80s right 90s. Yeah, the 80s 80s 90s and yeah. The culture was, there was a lot of grabas in the restaurant industry. There always has been. Yep. How, do, so you, let's say there's a young you coming up in the world and we want to keep her from making any mistakes. Well, we're going to. From your mistakes. So I wouldn't say that we wouldn't want any mistakes, but definitely pay attention to what went wrong, making sure you don't do that again. But the biggest and the strongest part is you have to know it better than anybody else. You have to be passionate and, and ready to work harder than anybody else. It, uh, I got a lot of, oh, she slept her way to the top. Um, she did this, she did that. Instead of where my bosses knew that I was the best candidate because I knew everything. I worked for it. I knew it. I covered their backs. They were, they could depend on me. So that's probably the biggest is you have to be better than everybody else. That means every guy, every girl, anybody else in that group of people that you're competing against, you be better. And you know that you're better and you just keep at it and don't let it beat you down because again, there was a lot. There was, you know, she, oh, she only slept with the boss. She did this, she did that. And I'm like, no, I did it because I can do it better than you. But most people, you know, as a woman would be, you know, you're either a bitch or, or you're um, cunning or, you know, you're, you're not, you know, or if you're kind, and I think some of the ones that I had later were, oh, she's too motherly, she's too this. And it's like, I'm who I need to be. And that's kind of the biggest part with any woman or a young me would be trust yourself, trust your intuition and be stronger, better. It, it was really, that's all I can really attribute. I did a lot of the large corporations, which taught me a lot. Um, and I'm thankful for all that training because they, like I said, they spend a lot of money and they do it well. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, they get down to the details. Yeah. So that, that's really good advice. Um, yeah. Sleeping your way to the top never is a real story that, that, <laughs> well, I can't say that it depends. There are, there are those who sleep their way to the top and, um, but it, it's short-lived and it, ha it has no right. legs. And no legs. And, and they're, they, once you get up there, if you can't do the job, you're in trouble. Yeah. And I've, I've seen people, I don't know whether they slept to get the job, but they definitely had associations and, and got into positions that were just like baffling. Yeah. You know, um, and that, that can happen. So, Let's let's go back to like the eighties and and talk about that culture and how 
you built yourself through that, through your will, um, but maybe an interaction with somebody where you had to state yourself in such a way that your heart trembled and your legs shook, but you, you fucking did it. Um, probably one of the toughest ones that I had with the run-ins, you know, with waiting the tables, proving myself was the easy part, but I was managing a hotel in Victoria. I was the bar manager and my, the owner was a pig, had a nice wife and his daughter was the one running the hotel. So there were women there, but he was truly a pig. One night I was in the office a little bit later, he had been drinking, he came in and he said, I want you to hire different women. I don't like these girls. And I had a team of cocktail waitresses that made more money. They were doing, they were stellar. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I want them more like whores. And I just looked at him. I looked at his wife and I'm like, really, you're okay with this? And uh, he goes, I need bigger boobs. And then we, we want this. And I'm just like, you have a stellar team out there. And his wife wouldn't say anything. So the next day I went to the, uh, his daughter, she was the uh, CEO of the, the hotel. And I said, you know, this is what your dad said. This is what's going on. And I'm not okay with this. Mm-hmm. And she just said, well, he owns it. Just, just disregard. And it's like, no, I can't do that. So I turned around and that's the first time I've never gave notice or did anything, but I walked and I just said, no, I will not be associated with this kind of uh, attitude. You're not going to do that to the girls that are here. I won't hire people like that. Um, And I won't be associated and scared. And and I didn't know what I was going to do or anything because I hadn't anticipated doing that. But it was like, nope, this is, this is the right thing. But it was, his association was so bad that when up there, I, when you quit, kind of similar to here, you can't get the unemployment. But I went to the unemployment company and, and said, hey, this is what's going on. And this is, and, and I just mentioned his name. And they're like, oh, rolled their eyes back. Okay, fill it out. What was said, what was done. And they're like, so I was approved because it's like, yeah, that oh, is. he had open cases you don't have to be a part of it. So yeah, I, I fought different battles that way. But again, if you don't, um, yeah, I just didn't stand for it. It's like, no, this is, this is wrong. I'm not going to do it. I won't participate. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's a different era, different men. But I found, again, once somebody will sit down with me one-on-one and we start to talk business and I know what I'm doing and I'm there. I will have a man's support probably faster than I would with a female. And they're like, you know your shit. Yeah. Well, we were talking about that earlier when we were talking about you and what you need for your restaurant. You need one of you. Yeah. And that's what we always looked for was somebody like you who's just like, I know my shit. Yeah. I'm going to do it get out of my way or help me. 
which is it? Yeah. So yeah, like I said, with women coming up, it, it's still, it's a tough industry. And, and most people I'm going to tell you, don't do it. Yeah. Um, and if you do, be ready to fail, be ready to, which was probably one of the hardest parts is when you have to pull the plug. When do you stop bleeding or can you go? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, those are very, very tough decisions. I've made those a couple times. Um, and those are, are really, you have to be there because you can just keep pouring money in and not do it. Right. Or you can get past that hump and then you're going from the red to the black. And right. that's very exciting. But it's not a job that is, um, people are always like, I want to be your maid or D, I want to do this. And I want to be a great chef. Very, Everybody very, wants to be a great chef now. Yeah, be glamorous. They're like, I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, no. <laughs> it's right. not well, there's a, it's there's, a lot of work. <laughs> there's 50 onions for you to cut. Yeah. Right. And this is what being a great chef is. You know, yeah. it's prep, 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 a prep. A lot prep, of prep. prep. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, there's great cooks, there's great chefs, and, and they're amazing. Yeah, but it, it's, and it doesn't pay a lot. It, it's not a get rich. It's not an industry that pays over the top. It, it's an industry that you can break your, break in and get going. And then if you do, you know, there are some people that do make a lot of money out of it and get to a top level. But the general, it, it's, it's a living and it's, it's, living. it's a fair wage and it's, it's hard work, but it's a pace. It's a love that you want. It is yes. that you're constantly be your social, you're being um, challenged. We call it um, controlled chaos. Right. So that's, you're in it because of your passion, not for the bottom line. Right. And, and that is true there. The, I, I've, I've not had a funner yet more taxing job in my life than, than being in the restaurant industry. Uh, it is difficult to make the margins unless you have an extremely high volume and a lot of extra rice or pasta <laughs> or potatoes, right? Um, but it's so hard, especially now. Um, it seems like all of the sources have kind of consolidated. And so pricing on products is challenging to get to uh, like you used to be able to pit bill against bob's business you know and say well i can get meat from bob for this and and now you've got basically what, three basic big producers or uh, suppliers of food and they're all pr providing the same food to every restaurant so every restaurant's cooking the same burgers they're all cooking the same bacon they're all cooking the same stuff throughout the, you know, the area of these distribution companies. So in order to make a real menu, you've got to take raw ingredients and make real stuff. Yeah. It's the well, only but way. COVID has taken us to another level where it's, uh, the, the manufacturers, anybody, you know, like you've seen the run, you've heard on pepperoni, um, where they had, you know, we'd have dozens of, of, uh, people that were making it, well, now they can't get all the workers in the factory. Oh yeah, because they had because a big COVID. outbreak. So then they're consolidating to make one so that they can at least get a good product out. Um, so it, it makes it even a smaller amount of choices and price is going up. 
because again, they, they can't, they can't staff these big manufacturers um, until we can get this resolved. So it really has been a second challenge, not only with COVID coming in and whether we're open or shut down or, you know, whether we're doing to goes, but we're um, definitely having issues even getting product in. And that's even in a raw state, it's challenging. It's like, wow, this is something I never anticipated in my lifetime um, to see. And, and, you know, how much do we go up on our prices or do we absorb the cost? Um, but we've also, you know, with COVID, you're going through gloves three times the amount that you used to, and they've doubled to tripled in price. So we've got lots of different things hitting us in the industry yeah. right now. Yeah, gloves and masks. I imagine you provide them for some of your guests if they don't have them. Uh, right. Cleaner, your cleaners. Cleaner. Going up. Um, your staffing goes up because you, I mean, you, you kept a clean place anyways, but the standards are different and right. you kind of have to do more, a lot more. Right. Some of the stuff we would do at the end, not in between every table, right. every this. So yeah, yeah. That, that's a definitely labor's up, food cost is up. And then so. volume is by necessity lower. They've, they've like your bar. Did you put up a screen or something on the bar? We didn't put a screen up. We haven't on the bars. I, I just struggle with that a little bit because that's that bar tender that bar. you're wanting that engaging. And to me, that's just not real engaging. So we, we've chosen not to. I have some tables that are right at the bar. So you can kind of get that feel to walk in and, and oh, be the at the bar if that's what you're looking for, but we don't have the bars open. Um, so yeah. that's, and, and our Albany one oh, is the focal piece of walking in is our bar. So it's like, yeah. oh, that's so sad. So what is your volume now? Uh, what's it look like? So volume right oh, now is almost to where I should be, but it's done differently. I have, um, a third that are dining in or dining on the patio. We have a third that is to goes that people are calling in and doing. And then we are still doing a, a, a third with um, the other programs like DoorDash and Uber Eats. So nice. we're, and then we're working on our marketplace, which is our meals um, kits that can go home. And so you can have the meal at home, but prepare it yourself. But like everything plate. is all done for you. So you're not, you can do it without a knife. You yeah. can prepare that meal that you love at a restaurant because that's the one thing with the to-go's. You, you love them, but by the time it leaves the restaurant and if you live, I've moved out to Sublimity, that's 25 minutes. That meal's compromised. It's not going to be that great meal that you get served right there at the restaurant and you love that dish it's gotta be reheated, it's gotta change. So we're making the meal kits where you can prepare that at home when you're ready at the time that you want it, but it's all the key, it's all the ingredients, everything's there. Um, and all you're doing is taking usually anywhere from three to seven minutes to put it together mm -hmm. and, and have it on your table. So your packaging cost is up, but you're- you're Right. Your uh, fuel costs are down. Fuel cost and labor. So, you know, it, it kind of balances there. So, uh -huh. but uh, just knowing where we're at with um, 
COVID, we, we're, we're like, this is something we need to do. Yeah. Well, that's a real creative approach. Yeah. To make it. So you're, you, you were, before COVID, you were a business that primarily people would walk into and get food. Yes. Now it's two thirds of your business is going out the door. Right. So you, you must have a really good menu. We adjusted, we're, we're working on things. And the other piece that I'd like to see is where the, uh, we've got it into um, the legislative is getting the cocktails to go. Because when you're sitting down and eating, you're gonna have a cocktail, maybe a bottle of wine. So your price point, we're, we're going to go up where we're losing all of that. So that's a piece that it's like, okay, we, we want to- Can you do an off-sell of a full bottle? You can take a full bottle home, but that's about the only thing we can do. Can the delivery services deliver a bottle of wine? If they're set up correctly. So that driver has to have that OLCC service permit. Yeah. And they have to check an ID when they drop. So no 18 year olds. Yeah. So there is some take this wine know, to them. Got it. Yeah. Let's just order it to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you can see your college kids. All right. Yeah, like I got this. No. So yes, if they are set up for it, they can. But those are the questions that we have to ask when they want to order well, like I said, with one of the uh, different companies. So they're looking at uh, packaging to go. So that would look like the bubble tea kind of thing or like right. where you would seal it up. And if this well, you seal it and you have to have it. So it would transport just like um, a bottle of wine or you say if you've got a growler, but you have it, you have to have it sealed in the car. Um, and if something's open, yes, you can get a Dewey or something like that. So it, yeah. it it's meant for home, but yeah, we these, crafted cocktails that uh, a lot of the places do now would be nice for our consumers, but also, um, you know, instead of giving Anheuser-Busch all of the, the money for their little canned cocktails, let, let's, sure. let's let our small independent guys do it. Did you have a good cocktail blend? I mean, good cocktail. We do. We have a great cocktail list and, and, uh, and they it sold does well. very well. So. Now, volume's different if you're doing a to-go thing, I would think people expect a bigger volume. Yeah. So how do you play that in? It's different. We're, we're again, like I said, making more of the marketplace, different things that we can do, um, family style. So different ways to option to purchase and to do so that you're seeing um, value. You're just creative. I really like this. Like you... You're like, no, we're going to keep doing this and, you know, just got to keep going. And if, if this isn't working, then we do this and right. let's, let's kind of rethink ourselves. Um, you've seen businesses come and go. The type of business that you started in, the bit large Mexican restaurants, they don't do well like they used to. They used to be right. packed all the time. And now you go in and they, they feel wrong because they're full of space and no people. Yeah. And that's happened to a lot of those. I remember Sea Galley being one of them when I was growing up. Yes. I worked there and it was just massive and they had the massive salad bar and and Friday nights were insane, you know, just turning tables, turning tables till 12 o'clock at night, it seemed like sometimes. It was just yeah. like, 
going. People would turn. I opened Macaroni Grill in Victoria, BC, and huge, huge building. Mm -hmm. And again, Macaroni Grills are now, I think there's only a couple open, but the rest have all gone under. So yeah, those big uh, stamps and those big landscapes are just not part of what people want anymore. They're looking for, you know, that smaller experience or, yeah. um, yeah, something a little different than the great big cattle feed, you know, getting everybody in and through. And, and again, yeah, like you said, a Monday night when it's half empty, it's like, oh, well, this isn't fun. You know, no, Friday no. when it's packed in the line and then you get to be seen is great. But again, you can't maintain those buildings. And COVID has taught me a couple things. One is to be able to pivot and pivot quickly. And there's silver linings. Yeah. Yeah. New inventions. And you got to look for them. Yes. You know, I forget his name, David Schultz or something like that. Schwartz um, wrote a book, The Magic of Thinking Big. And one of the things he said, and I read this when I was in high school. And so this can be a really bad plagiarism or whatever it is. Um, but one of the things he says is you just take a couple hours every week and think about how you could do things greater, you know? Yeah, and bigger and better and come up with an idea and then follow through with one of them, like write down 10 of them, follow through with one, you know, because follow through is a whole nother level of work. It is. I, I mean, yeah, the idea is great. Now, how am I going to do that? And that's similar with with the marketplace. Now it's like, OK, I love this idea, but how do we package it? How much is it going to cost? How is it going to travel? How are they going to know how to do this? You know, it, so there's been um, a process and we've been kind of going through it and we're really getting close to the point where I can really market it and, and uh, do that push. But yeah, we had to, you know, how is it going to affect the kitchen? And, you know, Friday night, still at seven, we're busy. How's that going to impact? How are we going to do this and do it well? Mm -hmm. So you've got a back kind of loading dock, right? Yeah. I don't know. Is there a way to like build a deck out there? That would be wonderful because you got the river just across the way. You Everything's got... beautiful. That's the city. But again, they have been working with us tremendously through all of this. Um, they gave us all the, the uh, sidewalks. Um, to put out our patios and to do where before it wasn't, um, it was pretty limited and they really kind of changed their parameters. Um, they looked at the streets, but because they're one ways, it kind of really didn't seem to be the right pattern, but yeah, they're, they're amazing working with us. And that is parking behind our building there. So that would be something that they would have to uh, take a look at, but before we hit the fires, um, they were considering putting a tinted area up and, and doing some things for us. So they're open. They're looking at ways to kind of keep businesses going and running. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we can see that someday. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. Uh, especially in the summer. I mean, you could just go out, you had to put a tent up. That would be wonderful. You can just go out yeah. there. Yeah, who knows how long this stuff's going to go on. Um, maybe it's No, just... it's going to change us and it's changing the industry. So we won't go back to where we were before. 
um, but we can go forward and develop it better. So that's a powerful tool you just use right there, acceptance, right? Yeah. We can move on. We move on. Did We've you have got to go on vacation with Mary? I am going on vacation with Mary um, in just about a week, week from oh. tomorrow. We're leaving on the 11th to go to Cabo. So that's that was gonna fun be- talking to her. I, I hadn't talked to her that long in a long time. So yeah, good. just, uh, you know, powerful women doing things together really get a lot of stuff done. And, and women getting together with tribes and doing things together really is something that I would have loved when I was that younger me, is mm -hmm. having um, a group of women helping each other, lifting that ladder instead of jealousy and, and saying um, negative things, um, instead just helping each other. And once we get up to that top, we can really do a lot together and, and everybody's a little different. They have something to contribute. So um, it's really nice to see a different strength in women coming together and, and just building each other up, helping each other go. And, and that's been a, a process because we, um, the books that I did with Mary have been really um, incredible, a fun piece to um, really kind of reflect at yourself and go, okay, we've got this. And, and just to empower more women and, and to get them out there and, and everybody's got stories. And like I said, we all make mistakes, but when we learn from our mistake, share it and kind of go forward, it's like, all right, this is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's giving. Um, so real leadership happens on, on three legs, right? Yeah. Uh, service, respect, and authenticity. Without those three things, you're really not going to get there, right? Absolutely. And I think that was one of the things that I just learned a lot this year um, was we started doing some branding. And when I was talking to the company, they're like, well, this is about you and your story. And I'm like, no, no, it's about this product. It's this. And they're like, no, people want to know why would we buy your product compared to the guy down the street, right. what's the difference? And the difference is you. And story. through COVID, I started doing some cooking classes just to do some time, to kill some time. Um, and I was very amazed at the amount of people that followed, the mm -hmm. amount of people that tuned in, watched, and then wanted for the next one and the next one. And I'm like, yeah. wow, why do they want, you know? And it's like- You've done this on YouTube? Yeah, I've got one, two. I've got the, most of them on my, um, still the Facebook, but I'm getting them transferred to a YouTube and then we'll get them labeled to watch. Um, so if you're wanting the Caesar salad or I want the Alfredo or I want to learn how to do the chicken piccata, sure. um, it'll all be on there. But I was very surprised at the response and, and it was like, oh, I guess it is about me. I, right. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy food. I enjoy wine. So it is very much about me and wanting to break bread with everybody, feed them, you know, take care, have some fun. I, I, I want you to have a great time and, and I'll, you know, what is it that you need? And, and let's decorate a table. Let's have, you know, let's. Oh, Martha Stewart over here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wonderful. Like, yeah. That food, is, food that is, is a big part. That's really cool. So, and that's actually brand right there. 
right? Yes. So what he was saying is that that right. you know you're you're selling. You're, they're going to come back and buy your product because now they have an affinity with you. Yeah. They learned how to make Caesar salad with you. And I can't tell you how many people are probably home who really never cooked much. Yeah. And can't make their own food unless it's out of a bag or in a box. Yes. And, and so doing that is a gift and that's service and that, and it's authentically you, right. And it's, it's showing very authentically me and it's, the things that I love. And it was like my kids' favorite things, you know, things that they ask for when they come, they come home. And then it's like, oh, now we're getting to fall. Oh, I make this soup or that soup. Oh, I need to get some more videos on. I need to get back to doing this. Um, and again, yeah, it is that, that branding. It is me. And that was a comfort zone that I've had to get used to that. It's like, oh, no, well, you know, how's my hair? We're looking at, you know, the Zooms and all of a sudden it's like, right. oh, podcast. Oh, I have to. <laughs> now i got to spend a whole lot of time putting on a hat. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, oh, videos doing, this is different. Um, I'm not sure I'm okay, but it's like, no, Treva, be you because it's you they want to see. Yeah. It's not a makeup. It's not a face that's all done up and, you know, you don't have a, a team here that's going to put you together but it's about your cooking it's about your laughter it's about you know that you enjoy your wine it's about you so it's like okay i i, I gotta let this down mm -hmm. and, and let this out and and that's been um a process just through this summer through covid that i'm getting more comfortable with doing you know where you can see me live you can see um because in person our features are a little softer. When we look at these, you know, videos and, and Zoom, it's right. like, wait a minute, where did that? <laughs> right, did and that every movement. <laughs> watch, they're like, what's he doing now? He's touching I his know. a lot. So I'm absolutely have been, you know, horrified. And then it's like, oh my God, what a chunky monkey. What am I going to do? And, and then it's like, just, just quit. Be just yourself. Be you. Look at the laughter in your eyes and, and talk about the food. Talk about what you're doing, about what you're cooking. You know, and, and sometimes I'm on a diet, sometimes I'm not. And and just share those things because that's what they want to know. They want to know that how to cook this, how to do it. They don't want the TV cook show because they can do that. They can change, you know, the food channel and do that anytime. <laughs> this is this is personal. I know her. I'm going to do this with her. And, and so, yeah, it's been um, fun to learn something new. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. I like that. I'll have to put a link to it or just friend uh, Garland Pepper with that, with your page or with yeah, page. Just we'll get that presents, uh, Facebook. And then your friends will see the link to this and there and that, and then the, my friends will see the link to your show. So that'll be cool. Yeah. And, and uh -huh. they're, they're fun little, little cooking videos. Some of them can be 10 minutes. Some of them might be 40, depending mm -hmm. on what we're making, but yeah. Wow. Walk you through the whole process. That's on, and you did these live on Facebook, huh? I did. I did. So, yeah, I, I, my uh, selfie stick doesn't work for Facebook because it only goes sideways. And if you're live, they want you to go vertical, I guess. Right. You have to go vertical. I learned that, I think, on my third one. So, with COVID, I couldn't, 
I had one person that filmed once and then my husband did it once and he said, no, no more. I, I, I don't like this. And so he bought me a uh, tripod. Uh -huh. So I got the tripod and I did it. But then again, most of the time they say when you're on your phone or doing videos, you want to do them horizontal, but because you get the full frame and then the kitchen and everything. So I did it that way, not knowing with Facebook, you have to be vertical. Right. So I filmed the whole thing. <laughs> An hour and a half. And there was lots of comments. You'll see them. And, and, but I didn't have my glasses on and I'm blind. And so I did, and I don't read the, the pop-ups while I'm cooking because it would just take too long to, um, to respond. To, well, to respond, and then it, it kind of does the train of cooking a little different. So it's like, no, let's do the cooking. Then I would record, then I would go back and read them and then respond to them personally. Um, but I, I laughed so hard because then there's another girlfriend. Um, she had a laptop and she had it turned sideways. She goes, it's working fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then my hairdresser kind of popped in and said, you know, everybody's like, turn your camera. And he's like, she doesn't have her glasses on. She can't read this. She doesn't know. She's blind. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. So it was like very funny to read all of these these comments. Um, but then once I did the video, I was able to turn it and post it. You know, after it was recorded. But when it was live, it was definitely on its side through the whole video and uh, me not having a clue. So Should do one on wine using all the sideways quotes while you're doing it and post the <laughs> whole thing sideways. <laughs> yes, we do. Like I said, we learn. What's that? <laughs> oh, um, so I guess my I want to tell you my motivation for doing the Women in Business series. Well, number one is is I do see things that women do in business that men don't. And that is kind of what you've been doing is this, this ability to kind of recreate. And that's been fascinating. But my whole life, I've been managed by women. I grew up with a single mom. So that teaches you to understand the voice of, of, of the boss as a woman. Um, then, you know, even in the Marines, I had a Sergeant Major. She was one of the first Sergeant Major who was a woman Marine. Yeah. So you learn a whole another layer of respect there, um, which is pretty awesome. And it's just throughout my life, I've had a lot of women managers. As a matter of fact, my wife uh, was the lead manager when we managed the KFC. So she was my boss, but not really. We were co-team, co but on paper, she was the boss. So yeah. all the rules and still still do. So <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just been impressed by the women that I've worked with and the women that I've seen in business throughout the years. And that's why I really wanted to do this uh, series, you know, um, and one of the people that I met was Heather, or the, the first person that I, I invited for the women in business series was, was Heather DeMarteau Fast. And that was what spawned the idea that there's so many of these wonderful women out there doing great things. And actually I could make this my whole podcast, but I really want my podcast to be more generalized. And yeah. Women are, are just different compassion, different way that they, they, they process and think as we go forward. And uh, definitely, you know, we have that instinctual motherly 
attitude and and uh it it definitely i love like i said the the tribes and the different things that women are doing these days it really um resonates and then and you're gonna see um i think though covid did take us back a bit i had my general manager that had to step down um because she's a mom of two young girls yeah and had to take them to school so she had to make a choice yeah. between her job career and her children and it's like oh that just that sucks for any whether it's a woman or a man mm -hmm. um to have to make some tough choices yeah yeah it is it's been some tough choices for a lot of people the restaurant industry i think was hit particularly hard and is still probably the most vulnerable yep um out there well i guess the most vulnerable would be theaters are theaters open there's some in some areas, but I, yeah, but that, do I want to go? Can I trust it is yeah. huge. I mean, it, that's even with the restaurants. It, it's, we've worked very hard to make sure ours feel welcome, clean, spaced, but I had restaurants, both of them that were large enough to do that. So there's a lot of small footprints that can't, so they've had to put the plexi or they've had to put plastic and it just doesn't feel warm. And, right. and those are things that, that are hard to overcome. How do you beat that? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much, I'm only going outside places right now. I mean, I'll go yeah. through a place if they have an outside place in the back, but I, I typically just stay in outside places. Um, and even then I'm staying, you know, far away from others. If I go by myself, I just sit by myself and that's not why I go out. I don't, you know, and I sit and drink a beer by myself and I'm like, this is stupid. You yeah. know, and I'm just looking at people and no commiseration. That's, that's really, really hard. This, yeah. doing this has saved me at that level. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where I started off with the cooking ones. Um, the restaurants, we have opened up enough and I feel very confident in the restaurants that people are coming and feel safe and and we do have some that will only sit outside and we've got our heaters and stuff going i've ordered some blankets though i can't hand out the blankets you can purchase the blankets if you didn't or we're going to do some um video ads that say you know grab your your throw from home and and bring it if you want um different ways to um feel comfortable outside even though our weather is changing and then the ones that are inside, we are maintaining it very well. And like I said, I have a large enough area that I was able to put the tables in some really nice. You have big dividers between your, you have booths on the side? I don't have booths. We are both open areas in both restaurants. So it, like I said, it was easy enough for us to space six to seven feet in between tables. Um, and they were somewhat like that to start with so that you didn't feel like you were on top of anybody. But again, those are our footprints that we were fortunate, but not everybody has the, the space that I do. So yeah. I, I really feel for a lot of my uh, friends that are in the business and they, they're, they're really struggling with this part. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've seen some creative solutions that look like they cost a lot. And um, one of the bar owner, the bar owner in Silverton, um, Glenn Damewood, he opened up a kind of, he basically did every, he did at a farmer's market. Right. Um, 
And then he had some of his food there, had some of his beer there, but he's paying entertainment the whole time. And I'm looking at the crowds and the crowds are there, but you know, I know how much entertainment it is. And I'm thinking, I don't know if he's getting the margins here, but once again, his brand is music. I mean, it's max bar. So, um, keeping that going, I think is good. And it, but I don't think he's making a lot of money on that. We're, we're trying to, and it's not right now about making the money. It's at least, like you said, covering your ends. If we can do that, keep your name out there, keep that rolling is beneficial to the ones that are kind of succeed at the other end. Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're, we're already seeing how many have dropped out and can't do it. Um, so the ones, yeah, it, it's, and I'm sure there's some of them that are out there that are making some money and, and good for them. And, and I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, well, somebody needs to. <laughs> Besides Home Depot and Lowe's. Are there. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're making yes, a fire pit. My wife bought a fire pit. We already have one, but now we got a small one, which is nice. <laughs> and you can move it around. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you guys, we just take it with us in the car, go to friends' houses. Do you guys have a fire pit? No, we got one now. So <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we'll bring it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we got the advice to young women. I, I liked that. Um, it's a different world now. I, Absolutely. I, I think uh, there's a lot more women in leadership and, and that's not been easy. It's been a long, long haul. Yeah. Um, and I, I congratulate you on your creativity and your building of a business. It's not easy. It is one of the toughest businesses to build because you've got people, product and labor and uh, the variables on product, like you were talking about with meat are challenging. Variables with people are just people. That's always going to be a challenge. And it's a high cost uh, if you've got a person who doesn't do enough oh absolutely i i think what most people don't know is our margin profit margin in restaurants is a one to ten percent the average is right around four um so we're thrilled when we make that so it's really funny it's like yeah she she's she's breeding money and doing this and it's like no i have busy restaurants it costs a lot of money to make I have a lot of overhead. There's a lot of money that goes out and we, you know, the payroll is, is tremendously high and, you know, we can still watch that, but it's, yeah, it's a piece that is uh, always changing, always evolving, but yeah, it's not a a big profit margin. Um, So when you look at your, your retailers and doing things, it's like they have a much different piece to, uh, what we're doing in the, the restaurant industry. So that's why a lot of them, I think, have gone to the uh, self-serve or, you know, counter service to cut out some of that labor part. But uh, being my age, I'm, I'm an old school and, and still Believe love to be waited on. Yeah. <laughs> and that model will exist. And I think it exists in the model that you've built. Yeah. Which is small and intimate, but big enough to get your volume. Yeah. Um, so there's that space. It's a sweet space in between the Mexican restaurant and that little bistro with five tables. Right. And uh, and I think that model will continue uh, because at a certain point when you get too big, 
other costs start to come in. Yeah. That are that that if you don't have the volume, you can't keep up with it. Yeah. And that's that's what happened to those old Mexican restaurants. Oh yeah. Well, and then yeah, that's that those are some big rents and and big utilities. And if you're not pumping enough through and and again, you know, we've had different you know, the market crashes, you know, the, the COVID, this is something that nobody could anticipate and do. And, and a lot of the little restaurants here that basically, you know, volume and they were, you take word of mouth, this incredible little place that has this amazing food and a wait out the door every day, can't open their doors because they're too small. They can't social distance. And, and so, you know, we, can they, we but they can do carry out like and delivery they've chosen not to because it's not enough but it's because the carry out like we talked about it just doesn't get home the same way as it does right. when you put that plate down in front of you so you want right. that uh yeah you want that in in place and that's what they they're they're really missing so yeah that's where it really kind of impacts these these restaurants, it's like, wow, I, I, you, how do you, you can't forecast that. Yeah. Those are things that you, you, like I said, learn how to pivot and, right. and go, go forward. Like, this Chinese, is rough. You're talking about the Chinese food at the buffet thing where it's like Chinese food, when they bring you a plate of really good Chinese food, it's yeah. really good. Take that food home. It's not eat it from a buffet every time. No buffet, yeah. Chinese buffet has good food. No. You, you have to have it cooked there, dropped off and, and, and served to you because that's, that's the experience that we're wanting. It, it is the experience that you're paying for. We can all recreate or do this or, or just, you know, like you said, scoop and, and serve, but that's not the experience. So we're, we're looking for those great experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Selling experience is the key. Yeah. Um, I think this has been a good experience for our audience. What do you think? I hope so. I, I hope they learned a little bit about what I do and, and just that the restaurant industry still needs your support. Um, we're looking forward to serving everybody, finding different ways to do experience, but yet we have challenges. So let's, uh, let's get your locations and how we can get a hold of you on the internet and all of that stuff. So you can get a hold of me on Facebook, Treva Gams. Um, we also have both restaurants have Facebook pages, Gambaretti's, which is G-A-M-B-E-R-E-T-T-I-S, which actually means shrimp in Italian. So if you kind of want to know what that logo or if it's because my last name, um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a shrimp. So that's kind of our little fun tidbit. And our restaurants, um, one in Salem, 325 High Street, um, southeast, and that's in Pringle Park Plaza, right downtown Salem. And then we have our Albany location, which is on First Street, and that is um, 211 West First, Suite 102. We have our big logo and everything out, and it's just a beautiful district to go down and go shop. Coming up with this Christmas, I would recommend going down there. These little shops usually don't have a lineup or weights. You're not like Target, parking is easy, and they are adorable. Just great little boutique shops. So definitely think about that. And uh, yeah, you can sometimes catch me in the restaurants. 
So, oh, so I had you in the wrong place. You're over by where, where Jay, Jay James used to be. Right. That old building. Yes. The beautiful building. And yeah, yeah, you could socially distance in there perfectly. Yes, we and do. And, it and we've got the huge patio with the heaters out front too. So I think we've got eight tables out there. Yeah. So you guys are missing the safe lunch crowd. We do miss them. Oh, tremendously. They're, they're, yeah, we adore them and, and we do miss. My wife's gone over there a few times. Oh, good. She works from home. I mean, yeah. even before this, but I think on, on uh, BFF's day, best friends forever day or whatever. Yeah. And they'll go over there and have a lunch. Yeah. Wonderful energy. It is. It is. As they all disparage their husbands, me being one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, you are the second to the last in the Women in Business series. I have another woman coming on today who's a recording artist, uh, or does recording like radio type of stuff. So it'd be interesting to learn about her. Oh, fun. Yeah. I'm going to do a little thing here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for following the Garland Pepper Presents podcast. Today, our guest, Treva was a pleasure. And I would like for you to share this with all of your friends, um, young and old, wise and stupid, all of them. Um, also, I have a new uh, way to, that you can help me out. And that's there's a support button should be on the links when you open up. Um, if you open up one of the shows, there should be a link in there. It says support and you can support for as little as a buck a month or as much as think $20 a month. I don't know. It's, it's a set up thing. Um, but that would help me. I need more technology. I need more tools. I need to build a studio, a lot of things. And this is the method I'm using until I get to enough listens where I can actually advertise. So if you can help me out, help me get to the next level, I would thank you. Thank you, Treva. Thank you. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for watching the Garland Pepper Presents podcast and Love ya.